As you are able, would you please stand for the reading of God's word this morning? First John chapter one, beginning in verse five. And this is the message that we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. This is the word of the Lord. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Would you pray with me? God, would you prepare our hearts this morning to accept your word? Would you silence in us any voice but your own, that hearing we may obey your will through Jesus Christ our Lord, in whose name we pray, amen. If you have a Bible this morning, we invite you to turn to 1 John chapter 1. If you're using a pew Bible this morning, that'll be page 1021, 1021. The actor and film director Woody Allen, uh, who claims to be an atheist, was once asked, if there's a God, and if that God should speak to you, what would you most want to hear him say? Allen replied, if there is a God who should speak to me, I would most want to hear him say three words. You are forgiven. Maybe you can relate with that this morning. Maybe you long to hear those words too. Maybe you can relate with the reality of of knowing that you're not right. To be forgiven is to recognize that we need to be forgiven. The desire to be forgiven recognizes that there's there's a reason to be forgiven, that we are in conflict, namely with God, because of our sin. Sin is a reality of the human condition. Whether we acknowledge that or not, it's true. Sin is a reality of the human condition. Sin is not something something, uh, we simply do. It is our nature. We are sinners, The issue then is not if we sin, but what do we do about our sin? One theologian has said there there are basically two options. We either hide, deny, and lie, or we confess and be forgiven. It's to this issue of sin that the writer, John, deals with uh, in verses 5 through 10 that you just heard read. For the Christian, sin breaks fellowship with God. It breaks our fellowship with God. It does not break our union with God. It does not break our, what we could call our sonship with God. Meaning if a a Christian sins, they're they're not no longer saved. They are no longer in fellowship with God. We know this on a personal level though too, don't we? If you have a relationship, a friendship, a marriage... 
there were to be sin in that relationship or that marriage. That doesn't mean that the relationship or the marriage ends. It only means that the fellowship has been broken. Right? We want to make sure we are careful with our, our language this morning. But for the Christian, sin does, in fact, break the fellowship that we have with God. It's no small matter. So we need to consider well how to deal with sin. Well, John begins this section with a, with a doctrinal point, a, a theological truth. Um, and and an, an essential fact about God, about the nature of God. And this serves as the basis for what he's going to say in the next few verses, the basis for the, the appeals that we will see. So look at verse 5 again with me. This is the message that we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. What's the message? The message is God is light. John does not say God is a light. He doesn't even say that God is the light. He says that God is light. Similarly, in other places, John says that God is spirit, not a spirit or the spirit. God is love, not a love or the love. He is love. Here he's saying God is light. Light in this context has, has ethical or moral overtones. And it represents glory and truth and purity and, and holiness. So to say that God is light is to say that God is totally holy. He's totally pure. He's totally glorious. He's, he's totally true. This is the statement. This statement is a statement of absolute, in, in the absolute and perfect nature of God. God is light. God is only and always holy. Revelation chapter 4 verse 8, again penned by, by John who saw a vision. And he says this of, of quoting what he heard in the heavens. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. God is light. He is holy. He follows this statement of God is light with a negative statement, the rest of verse 5. And in him is no darkness at all. Now, John's actually saying the exact same thing as God is light, but he's saying it in the negative sense. God is light means that he is completely holy. He has no darkness means that he, there is no sin in him. He uses darkness here as a metaphor for sin or for unrighteousness. God is totally opposed to sin. There is no darkness in him. He is totally opposed to sin, which is what holiness is. That is what holiness is. Holiness is the, the separation of sin, separation from sin. In the Greek, it could be said, it could be written this way, according to one author. And darkness there is not in him, no, not in any way. That is a little wordy for some of us, but there is, no, there is not darkness in him, no, not in any way. Like, this is the nature of God. Like, that's, what, that's what John's trying to say. He is light. He is holy. There is no darkness in God at all. There is no sin in God at all. He is perfect. He is pure. He is holy. So because God is light, because he is holy, because there is no darkness, then what does that mean? What does that mean for us? Well, John makes his first appeal in verse 6. Look at it with me. And if we say, if we say 
we have fellowship with him. While we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Now, now verse 6 begins with a, a, uh, a statement, of an, of an if statement, a conditional statement, which we're going to see several of these statements here in these verses. Uh, many of these, these sentences begin with the word if. So that there's a claim here that's being made. If we were to say that we have fellowship with God while walking in darkness, what does he say? We lie and do not practice the truth. So the claim is that I could have fellowship with God and still walk in darkness. Like that's the claim that's being made. And John's saying, if that's true, if someone says that, but yet does that, they are lying and they do not practice the truth. We learned already that there's no darkness in God. Now here he's saying for those who say they're in fellowship and they walk in darkness. We're carrying the darkness into uh, verse 6, the theme of darkness here. The word walk in the Bible refers to, to life or behavior or conduct or habitual lifestyle. So if we're habitually living a certain way, if we're habitually living in darkness, if we're habitually living in sin, ongoing sin, and we say we have fellowship with God, John says, actually, you're lying. That's not true. You lie and you, you do not practice the truth. Now, this possibly, in, again, in the context, John is writing in response to false teachers that were threatening the unity of the church and their understanding of Christianity and who Christ was. And so there's a, there's a possibility that what John may have had in mind here were those false teachers who had left, who had um, left the church, who were teaching false things and yet still claiming to have fellowship with God. And there may have been people in the church saying, well, maybe, like maybe you can. Maybe you can be opposed to, to God and, or opposed to, uh, to, to the, the way of, uh, maybe you can walk in the darkness and still have fellowship with God. That's, what, that's the question. And John is saying, no, actually you can't. Right? That, that's not how this works. Whether we're guilty of, of what these false teachers were or not, we ought to be careful to consider our own sin, our own tendency to, to darkness, our own tendency to walk in darkness, and be careful to deal with our sin, whether great or small. John's point is saying that you have fellowship. And this word fellowship, remember from last week, look up to verse 3 in 1 John. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son. He's carrying the theme of fellowship again into this text as well in, in saying this, that, that saying you have fellowship with God while participating or walking in sin is incompatible with the nature of God who is light. God is light. God is holy. So for us to participate or to have fellowship with darkness and claim somehow to have fellowship with God as well is a lie. You can't have fellowship with God and remain in sin. Light and darkness cannot coexist. The Apostle, the Apostle Paul asked this question, what fellowship has light with darkness? It's a rhetorical question because there is no fellowship between light and darkness. That's the point. You can't walk in darkness and be walking in the light. That's not how it works. Now, can a Christian walk in darkness? Yes, a Christian can walk in darkness. That's absolutely true. Can, can a Christian, for a period of time, 
live in unrepentant sin. Yes, that's true. But continual, habitual, unrepentant sin calls into question whether or not that person actually knows Christ at all. It calls into question the the sincerity of their faith. For to walk in darkness is not compatible with walking in the light. But what's more, John says that this means that we lie and do not practice the truth. When When our walk does not align with our talk, our actions betray us for what we are, what John calls liars. To say one thing and to do another is not only to not tell the truth, but not to practice the truth, as John says. Well, John goes on in verse 7. It says this, But, so, if we, we claim to have fellowship, yet walk in darkness, we, we lie and do not practice the truth. But, if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of his Son cleanses us from all sin. So here's John's first appeal. Right? The basis is that God is light. So how should we live based on that? How should we live? We should walk in the light. To walk in the light does not indicate sinlessness. That's not what John's point is in the text. He's not talking about never having, having a, a, an issue or never falling down. He's talking about a progressive spiritual growth. This is the pursuit of holiness, not perfection. To walk in the light is to walk with God. Dr. David Allen summarizes John's appeal here by saying this, Christians should live to God's live according to God's pure nature. That is, they should not sin. It's in light of God's holiness that 1 Peter tells us that we are called to what? To be holy. Be holy, why? Because I am holy. That's what God calls us to do. Again, that's not perfection. That's a way of life. That's a progressive spiritual growth. And if we are walking in the light, John records two results of walking in the light. The first one is fellowship with one another. One writer says, fellowship with God exhibits or proves itself by fellowship with Christians. So if we want to run around and say we have fellowship with God, one of the evidences that we have fellowship with God is that we have fellowship with other Christians. We talked about this last week, but our horizontal fellowship, our fellowship among each other, with each other, is a result of our vertical fellowship with God. Right? If we have fellowship with God, we we will want to have fellowship with his people. It's one of the reasons why participation in a local church matters because it's it's an evidence that you you care about what God cares about and that's his people. Because we have fellowship with God, therefore we have fellowship with one another. But that's not all. The rest of verse 7 says, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. We'll get to that in a second, the the, the result. Back in verse 1, John begins by telling us something about Jesus, that Jesus was both God and man. And he picks that up again in verse 7. Look at it. In the blood of Jesus, what does that tell you? Jesus was a, a man. The blood of Jesus. Jesus, the man, bled, humanity. The blood of Jesus, his son, God's son. What does that tell us? Divinity. Jesus is both God and man, or man and God in this order. 
in the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. The second result of walking in the light is being cleansed. James Montgomery Boyce writes, the one who walks in fellowship with God will find forgiveness for any sin that might enter his life. He continues, this does not encourage, encourage sin, but holiness. Now, now some could read that and say, wow, okay, if I'm, I'm walking with God, that means I'll, I'll get forgiven for whatever I, whatever I do. Like free pass. But if we're actually walking in the light, we don't look at it like that. We don't look at it like, how close can I get to the line? Or how much sin can I sin and still be forgiven? If we're actually walking in light, we're pursuing holiness. We're pursuing purity. We're not seeking the loopholes. The blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from sin. We'll talk more about the cleansing in a moment. But this is a result of walking in the light. Being cleansed from all our sins. Well, the second appeal comes in verses 8 through 10. Verse 8 says, If we confess, excuse me, we're not there yet. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So, so the first claim we saw in verse 6, if we say we have fellowship with him, yep, we walk in darkness. Now here in verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So the second claim is if we, if we say we are without sin, right? if we are saying that, that we've become sinless somehow, right? that, that's the claim. Now, that might seem crazy for most of us who can identify very clearly <laughs> that we are not sinless. Uh, but the sin here is singular, right? It's not plural. So he's talking about our sin nature. If we say that, that we don't have a sin nature, if we say that we, we, have, we have just, we've uh, we fought that battle, we're on the other side of the sin nature. I don't have a sin nature anymore, right? That's what he's saying. Now, again, you might think that's crazy, but there are people who actually believe that. I have an extended family member who for a period of time believed that. They believed they were sinless. They believed they, they had gotten to the point where they, they had conquered sin in their life. Now, thankfully, they don't believe that anymore. It doesn't take... A lot to figure that out. C.H. Spurgeon writes, He who cannot find water in the sea is no more foolish than the man who cannot perceive sin in his members. It's obvious, right? As much as there's water in the sea, there's sin in us. It is that obvious. But interestingly here, John does not refer to this as lying. He doesn't say those people who say that they have no sin are lying. What he says is they're, they're deceiving themselves, and the truth is not in them. Deceiving means that, that you, you can't see. You've been deceived. You're not seeing it clearly. And so if you don't see it clearly, clearly, what won't you do? Confess. You won't confess to something that you don't see. So this is, this is the problem, right? This is the problem with sin, that, that sin blinds us, that Satan blinds us to our sin. And we can't see it for what it is. And when we are deceived, we can't see the, see the truth. So therefore, the truth is not in us. We're not controlled by the truth. Listen, here's what we know about Satan. Satan is a liar. John chapter 8, verse 44. Satan is a schemer. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11. And Satan is a deceiver. Genesis 3 is a great example of that. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 3 and 14. This is, this is what Satan does. He deceives us to our sin. 
If you think you're good enough, you're never going to repent. If you think your sin's not that bad, you're never going to repent. You're never going to confess. You're never going to recognize your sin. So we must be on guard and test what we know to be true with the word of truth. You know, Christians can become blind to our own sin. You know that? We're not just talking about the unbeliever who's blind to their sin, but Christians, we can be blinded to our own sin. We can be blinded to, to the, the areas of our life that, that are not in line with, with God and his word. So we must be on guard. We must test what we know to be true or what we believe to be true with what is true. That is the word of truth. Well, verse 10 goes further. It says, if we, have, um, if we say that we have sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So it goes, it goes even further. So, so here we, we are, are denying that we have sinned. Like this is a delusion. If we say that we have not sinned, now this is even further. Not that I've somehow conquered sin, but now I'm saying I don't even have sin. I've not even sinned. Like that, that's delusional because no one, ha, no one has ever not sinned. Right? No one has, has ever not sinned. Now I'm not sure about the double negative there, but I know about the theology. No one has ever not sinned. Right? Uh, we, we are sinners. Right? That, that, is, that is absolutely true. In verse 6, if we think this way, we're liars. In verse 8, we are deceiving ourselves. And now here in verse 10 uh, is the most serious, that, that we're making God a liar. What does that mean? We're saying that God's word isn't true. Well, what does God's word have to say? Well, here are a few. Romans chapter 3, verses 10, 11, and 12. No one is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Come down to verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What does God's word say? It says that we are sinners. That by our very nature we are sinners. We are not sinners because we sin. We sin because we are sinners. That's an important distinction. What you do does not make you a sinner. That is not what makes you a sinner. We sin because we are sinners. Now, your sin may be very different than someone else's. Mine might be very different than yours, but all sin is equally wrong before God which means that we are all equally sinners before God. Sin, we know, is a result of the fall. Therefore, it is in our nature. By one man, sin entered the world, Romans 5. And by one man, through Jesus, entered life and forgiveness. We thank God for that. So then, what are we to do? Sandwiched between verses 8 and verses 10 is verse 9. And we read this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The first appeal is to walk in the light, and the second appeal is to confess sin. To confess our sins. To confess means to say the same thing about our sin that God says. It means to agree with God that our sin is in fact sin. When we confess to something, we're admitting it. If you've ever gotten into trouble, if your, your child has ever gotten into trouble, the confession is, I did it. I'm agreeing with, with what is, what is say, being said. 
that I did that thing. I'm agreeing with God that, that I am a sinner, not just in my actions, but in my nature. Again, David Allen writes, when we do not live according to God's pure nature, that is, when we do sin, we should confess our sins to God and experience his forgiveness. If we confess our sins, again, this is a conditional statement with, with a great promise. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Sin is darkness. In verse 5, we found that there's no darkness in, in, in God at all. It is the light. It is the light that exposes our sin. And when we see our sin for what it is, when we see our sin for what it is, we confess and acknowledge it to God. The scriptures offer examples of those who, who came to understand their sin in light of God. Like we can think about the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6. He is given a vision of the throne room of God. And upon seeing that, upon seeing the light, we could say, or God who is light, says, Woe is me, for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. When confronted with God, who is light, God who is holy. What does Isaiah do? He recognizes that he's not holy. He recognizes his own sin. When Peter is called by Jesus in Luke chapter 5, after Jesus calls him, he's, in the, he's, in the, 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 um, he's fishing, and the, the, all the fish come, he throws the net on the one side, and all the fish come in, and Peter's like, what is going on right here? And he recognizes something about Jesus, and what does he say? He says, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. He saw something in Jesus. God, God is light, and when he saw the, that light, he knew something about himself. And the Apostle Paul after his conversion, later writing to Timothy, he says, This saying is trustworthy and worthy, deserving of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And then he says this of himself, Of whom I am the foremost, or whom I am chief. He looks at Jesus. He stands in the light and he sees the darkness. He recognizes his own sin and his need for confession. The promise of God is here the forgiveness of sins and being cleansed from all unrighteousness. Forgiveness of sins. Your, your slate wiped clean. Cleansed. Your, your guilt removed. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that weight being lifted off you? If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Remember what Woody Allen said he, he longed to hear? You are forgiven. You can hear that. Some of you have heard it. Some of you know it to be true. That if we would confess, our sins would be forgiven. Can I ask you this morning, have you? Have you confessed? What do you need to confess? Maybe this morning you're feeling the weight of your sin. Maybe you're feeling guilt. Maybe you're recognizing, even as the word of God is coming to you this morning through his spirit, maybe you're recognizing today that there is something that you need to confess. But here's what you can know, that there is forgiveness made available. And we see it because of two things that John says. Look at verse 9 with me again. 
Why can we be assured of such a promise? Because John writes that God is faithful and he is just. What does that mean? He is faithful. It means he will do what he says he will do. He keeps his word. He keeps his promises. And so here, John is appealing to or, or rooting his pro, his, this promise in the character of God. That God is faithful. God does what he says he will do. And he is just. He is perfectly right. He is the just judge. So can you know that your sins will be forgiven? Yes, you can know your sins will be forgiven. Because God promises it. Upon what basis does God promise it? Upon his own character. He is faithful and he is just. Let's be clear, sins must be judged. So for God to be just means that he is is the just judge and they need to be paid for. Either we pay for our sins or someone else pays for our sins. Those are the options. Sins will be paid for, whether it's by our lives, being separated from God in hell, or Jesus who took your penalty and mine on the cross. Those are your options this morning. And as beautiful as verse 9 is, we have to ask, how can God, who is faithful and just, do that? Upon what basis of his faithfulness and justice? Well, verse eight or verse 7 says, it's the blood of Jesus, his son, that cleanses us from all sin. If you keep reading, look with me in chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. And he keeps writing. He says, my little children, I write these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. It is through Jesus the righteous, the righteous one, that our sins can be forgiven. Because Jesus is righteous, because he is perfect, he can and has paid for our sins. He is the propitiation for our sins. That's not a word we use very much. We'll deal with it again later uh, in the weeks to come. But it, it, it means the satisfaction of God's wrath against our sins. Or as one study Bible says, the sacrifice that bears God's wrath and turns it to favor. That's what Jesus did. He took on God's wrath for you. Instead of you receiving the condemnation that your sin and mine deserve, what does he give to you in return? Forgiveness, cleansing, life instead of death. If you have unconfessed sin this morning, we invite you on the the basis of Scripture itself today to confess your sins to God, to agree with God that your sin is sin, that you have sinned against God and there's forgiveness made available to you through Jesus. If you would repent and believe this morning, you can know that for yourself. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. If you've never come to Christ, today is the day. If you have come to Christ and you're living in in known unrepentant sin, the invitation to you is the same, to repent to have your fellowship restored. For those who have never trusted Christ, it's not to have your fellowship restored, it's to have your fellowship begin with Christ. There's no better time than today to come and to receive that forgiveness that your soul longs for. Because God is light, we are to walk in the light. Because he is God, we can confess our sins and be forgiven 
today. Father, it is because of the work of Jesus on the cross, paying our debt, offering us life, that we can know you, God. We can know the God who is light. And we can have fellowship. We can have union and fellowship with you through your Son. God, would you help us this morning, help us this week, upon the, the, the basis of who you are, to respond by walking in the light, to respond by confessing our sins. We only can because of what Christ has done. So in the power of Jesus, enabled by your spirit who lives with us, would we walk in grace this week, following you in the light, being quick to confess our sins and know the forgiveness that only you offer. You are worthy of our praise and we give it to you now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Oh God, you raise-